Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. being in the house of the Lord. Amen. 62nd verse. Quite a few verses in chapter number 8. 62nd verse. The Bible says, And the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto the Lord, twenty and two and twenty thousand oxen. It's twenty-two thousand oxen. And a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. The same day did the king hallow the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. There he offered burnt offerings and meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the brazen altar that was before the Lord was too little to receive the burnt offerings and meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings. We got 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. Y'all, that's a bunch of animals. Being sacrificed to the Lord. And yet the writer says in verse 64 that Solomon did what he did because the brazen altar that was before the Lord was too little it's too little tonight i want to preach this and I, I i i don't say this often and i don't say uh this lightly i know i know sometimes speaking of social media there's some pastors i read every sunday they got a word from god you know <laughs> well i preach from the word of god every sunday but there are certain times that I feel more impressed in my spirit that what I have to say uh, or what the spirit rather has to say through me and God's word may be applicable for us in a moment. And so, again, I don't do this often, but I believe I have a word from the Lord. He spoke into my spirit in prayer the other day. Amen. So I want to minister this, too much, too little, too much, too little. Hallelujah. We need heaven to help us tonight. I want God to use my mind, my lips, every faculty of my being for his purpose. Father, God, I come to you tonight. I'm asking God for your help. God, I know as I sat in my home behind a closed door, Nobody else, Lord Jesus, in that room but me and you, God, as I prayed. I know, God, what you laid upon my spirit. God, I know, Lord, things that I prayed in that prayer room, Lord God, that wasn't me, but God, it was you speaking through me. And I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, that you would bring all those words together. God, for this moment in time, God, for this people, for this body of believers, God, that are here this evening, God's come, Lord, to be faithful to the house of God, to see minister, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, to them. Help me, Lord Jesus, to do, Lord God, it justice. God, I pray, God, for the glory of your name, the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Too much, too little. Setting of Scripture, the passage that we have read from this evening is this very momentous occasion has, has arrived here in Scripture. It was time to dedicate 
the temple of Solomon, the temple that Solomon had been overseeing, that he has spent the last seven years of his life, what we might call superintending the construction of it. The Bible says, gathered at this very important moment for the nation of Israel, there are people of varying social statuses that are gathered here at this day. There are people from the northern border of Israel down to the southern border of Israel and from either side that have come together and convened at this location for this very moment. The celebration of dedication took place at what would be known as the Feast of Tabernacles. It took place at the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles. Normally, that feast would have lasted a week, but here it seems to have gone on for a couple of weeks, according to chapter number 8. The Feast of Tabernacles was known to commemorate and to remember Israel's years of wandering throughout their wilderness journeys when they lived in booze and tents and things of that nature. But here it coincides with the dedication of the temple of God that seems to denote that their wandering is over. Because the temple of Solomon was a settled place. The tabernacle was designed, of course, to be mobile. But the temple was designed to be settled. It was designed to be permanent. And yes, many of those that stood there that day were acquainted with the tabernacle of Moses. But this temple, this temple of Solomon, brought with it a few peculiarities that were not found in the tabernacle in the wilderness that were not found in the tabernacle of Moses. The temple of Solomon, according to the word of God that you hold in your hands tonight, it was found to be at least twice the size of the tabernacle in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, the things in the temple seem to have intensified in number somewhat and Many of, of them uh, furnishings, that is, even has increased in size in comparison to the tabernacle furniture. Whereas the tabernacle had one labor, the temple has ten labors with a huge molten sea among them. Whereas the tabernacle had one lampstand that gave forth its life, light, rather the temple has ten lampstands in their stead. Whereas the tabernacle had one table of shoe bread upon 12 loaves were laid for the priest and those that would go there for fellowship. The temple had 10 of those tables of shoe bread. And although there's an increase of number in these particular furnishings whenever it comes to the Ark of the Covenant, it's the exact same Ark of the Covenant that was in the tabernacle that's likewise in the temple. Amen. Housed, as it were, in the tabernacle during its wilderness journeys. Now it's been brought into the holiest of holies in the temple of Solomon. And the Bible says when it finds its landing place in its rightful spot there among the temple that the glory of the Lord came down in the form of a cloud. And it filled all the temple where the priests were. And that the priests were not even capable of ministering because of the cloud. And so all of this has happened on this day of dedication for the temple of Solomon. Solomon, up until the time of our text, he's already addressed the people. He's already prayed for himself. He's prayed for the people. He has blessed the people. And now he transitions to the area of the altar that's in the temple. Amen. The number of altars for the temple has not increased. Whereas others in the tabernacle were one and they went to ten, that did not happen concerning the altar of the temple. It did not increase to ten, but there was still only one altar. One altar that was in the temple. However, we find in comparison to that first altar in the tabernacle that this altar was about four times larger than the altar that was in the the tabernacle. And on this glorious day, Solomon with all the nation of Israel hath gathered around to offer sacrifices, sacrifices of dedication unto the Lord. And the Bible records, as I underscored to you in the reading of the passage, that they were going to sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep to be sacrificed over the next several days. Someone say amen. 
Now, folks, this is quite different. You got to realize something today. This is so quite different from what it was in the tabernacle. Whenever Moses dedicated the tabernacle altar back in the book of Exodus, do you know how many animals was at that dedication for that altar? There were 24 bullocks, 60 rams, 60 goats, and 60 lambs. <laughs> that was offered back at the tabernacle. And so they're going from being in the hundreds back there to being in the hundreds of thousands right here. And it seems to reason a little bit because God has been awfully good to his people. Brought them out of Egyptian bondage. Kept them in a wilderness in their wanderings with the tabernacle. Fed them manna from heaven. Fed them quail from heaven. Fed them water from a flint stone. Had a tree be put in the water when the waters were built. God had been mighty good to this people. He sent them into Egypt with just 70, 75 souls. They come out as a nation ranging beyond 600,000 men. God had been awfully good to his people. They've increased their substance. They've increased their livestock. They've increased the numbers that are in their families. And God had been awfully good to their people. So it would seem to reason that they have more to offer God now than what they did when the tabernacle was first erected in the wilderness. Someone say amen. It is estimated, it is estimated and I'm just using the, the, the dimensions from the word of God, this, 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 this thing that we read about of the altar in the temple, it was 20 cubits by 20 cubits whenever it comes to its length and its breadth. If we assume, this is just a little math, if we assume that a cubit is about 18 inches, which that, that was typical, amen, for Bible times, then it would, it would be... It would be that it would cover just the top, if you will, of that of that altar would cover about a hundred square yards, or put it in terms we can relate to, about nine hundred square feet. I put markings out here tonight so you could just get an idea how big this altar was that was in the temple. You see the little markings? It, it comes out just about perfect to the corners of our platform here. If you take that and extend it all the way back to this mark that's back here in the center aisle and make a perfect cube. That's how big. That's how big the altar was. If you were to put that in comparison to the altar that was in the tabernacle, this smaller representation from the... This, our, our, our altar must be in the Bible up here that you would go out from that corner, each corner, out to these markings, and this was the surface area. Thereabouts of the top of the altar in the tabernacle. There's a big difference. There's a four times of a difference between the altar that was in the tabernacle and the altar that was in the temple. It's four times larger than that which was in the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, there was no other vessel that was comparable, comparable rather in size with it. And yet when we read the scripture of 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep, the Bible says that Solomon did something because he states here in scripture, the writer does, that that new old, that 900 square foot surface area on top altar was too little for the amount of sacrifice that was on the day of dedication. Someone say the altar was too little. I just want that to sink in here. The altar was too little. And yet I believe here in Scripture that Solomon in doing what he had done, and he is the wisest man, amen, in the Bible that we have recorded of, I believe even in this instance that Solomon is employing his wisdom here. Watch and just follow very carefully with me. Solomon could have said, 
whenever there were 22,000 oxen that he and the whole nation of Israel brought and 120,000 sheep that he and all the nation had brought. Solomon could have said, and it could have been recorded in our Bibles, that Solomon could have said there was too much sacrifice. Based upon the size of the altar, even that grand altar of the temple of that day, it could have been recorded of Solomon. You know what, boys? What we have here is really a dilemma of too much sacrifice. But in the wisdom of Solomon, he did not phrase it like that. He did not say that there was too much sacrifice or there are more animal sacrifices here than the altar can facilitate. That's not what he said. But the writer of 1 Kings simply says this, the altar was too little to receive what the people had brought. in our verses of scripture I think it's important this is what God popped in my mind the other day I think it's important to denote that the altar was called too small rather than the sacrifice called too big the altar was called too small rather than the number of animals being too much someone say amen What we're dealing with here in the scripture is something that's what we would call today as a positive problem. A positive problem. But listen to me, folks. As it was then and so it is now, the problem should never be viewed as though we got too much sacrifice. Problem should never be viewed as though we have too much sacrifice, but rather we just don't have enough altar. altar was too little. Its capacity was insufficient to accommodate all those 22,000 oxen and those 120,000 feet sheep. It wasn't too much sacrifice. It was too little of an altar. No, I, I, I got to preach here just for a little bit tonight, and I pray. I ask God to forgive me because I don't want I don't want to have have somehow any way contributed to this type of mindset. I don't want to in my ministry as pastor or in anybody's life that's sitting out here before me tonight to have contributed in any way this side of mindset because I think sometimes people come in and they can have extravagant worship. People come in, they can have flamboyant prayer lives, and I think that's great and wonderful. And I say, God, I hope I haven't done this I hope that I've never told anybody in this place that your praise was just a little too much or your shout was a little bit too much or your worship was a little bit too extravagant or the time that you spent in the prayer room leading up to service was a little bit too much I hope I've never told anybody that their sacrifice was a little bit too much but I hope if anything I could look at it and say you know what there's nothing wrong with your sacrifice there's nothing wrong with your praise there's nothing wrong with your dance we just got an altar problem. Our altar is too small. Somebody hear me? Because here, here's, here's what happens, folks. Here's what happens if we take the other route and we begin to tell people, I'm still preaching, but I'm in the other room. Amen. Here's what happens whenever we start telling people that they have too much sacrifice. They will make their sacrifice fit their altar. Come on, buddy. This is my bullock. Why don't you lay down on that altar? He's going to do some planking here. You would agree with me. But you can look at this two ways. Either he's too big for the altar or the altar's too small for the sacrifice. People that enter in with the mentality, I got more than what's required, will start honing that down. You can get up for me. We'll start honing that down. And then they'll say, okay, if that was too much, then...
If that was too much, then I can I can whittle some of this down. I, I can pull back a little bit on my praise. I, I can pull back a little bit on my prayer. I could pull back on my worship. If that was too much, I'll just make my sacrifice fit my altar. I'll just make my sacrifice fit there. Because see, that's kind there. There's nothing overhanging. There's no surplus. There's no overflow. It seems like the sacrifice fits the altar. Come on, Bullock. But Solomon, in his wisdom, he says, we got 20, go on, buddy, get on the altar. We got 22,000 oxen. We got 120,000 sheep. Rather than looking at those good people that had spent days journey getting to the house of God and telling them, you brought too much. There's too much here. He said, you know what's wrong? I know what's wrong around here. We got an altar problem. Our altar's just not big enough. I'm going to apologize to this church if by any way I've ever conveyed to you, you know what, you need to settle down a little bit. James, you, you need to just, you know, you don't know, don't be dancing, running around the church. Uh, you, you, you came here an hour before church to break. Don't worry about that. That's a little bit too much. We show up 15 till or 15 after. I hope I've never relayed that to you. Amen. And then made you come back the next service with just something that could satisfy and fit the altar. I hope I've never done that to you because the problem what we have is an insufficient altar for a surplus, if you will, of a sacrifice. You can get up. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Just stay with me, though. So Solomon's saying, we don't have a sacrifice problem. We got an altar problem. We got an altar problem. I don't want the people to draw back on bringing the sacrifice. That's not the answer to this dilemma. For them to keep back what they're capable of. That's not the problem. He says, you know what we need to do? Here's first tabernacle. You, come on, get on that altar. Look at that. Uh-huh, size that up just right. We, it was too big for that. But, honey, it's looking pretty good for here. But you know what's amazing about even this? We got areas for growth of the sacrifice now. People like to maximize sacrifice to their altar because if they do, they don't have to worry about growing any. But see, here, I might be able to bring another lamb. Here, I might be able to get another bullock on there. Here, there might be an auction. You, you, you can get up, bullock. You can get up. Someone say Amen. And so what they were dealing with was not a problem of too much. They was dealing with a problem of too little. Someone say amen. And here's, here's the thing. This is not Paul McGee's interpretation. This is the scripture's own interpretation. God does not smile upon people who view it as too much sacrifice. Rather than too little altar. It's nigh. His crucifix. It's nigh the time. That everybody's been waiting on. His time is about come. He's all along the journey said. My time is not yet. But it is nigh. He's in the home of Simon. And there comes in a lady with an alabaster box. Full of precious ointment. That could very well have been the sum total of a year's wages. She breaks it. She honors the Lord with it. And somebody begins to pipe up in the crowd. This is a waste. You know what they're saying? That's too much for too little. That's too much. The Lord looks back at them and says, what just came out of your mouth? That's McGee terminology. What just came out of your mouth? You're saying some type of honor. You're saying some type of praise. Something that she's bestowing upon me. You're saying that's too not much. No, no. We don't have a problem, boys, right here with something being too much. We have a problem with the size of an altar. We. No, 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 no. 
See, everybody thought, everybody thought in Judges 11 that Jephthah was crazy. He was called to go out to battle. They needed to win. They called him. They, he had been estranged from his own land. They now called him to be their captain, go out to battle. And he basically makes a vow unto the Lord, Sister Cox, in Judges 11. He says, oh, Lord, if you give me success in this battle, whenever I come home, whatever comes across the threshold and meets me, I'll sacrifice. He was victorious out in battle. Everybody was singing the praises of what had taken place concerning the victory. Jephthah's on his way home. The first thing outside his doors was his only daughter. So what do we have here? Something too much or something too little? I'm not asking anybody to slay their daughter. I preach whole sermons on Judges chapter 11. The God, what God wanted to know was, Jephthah, will you give me what you love the most? But while everybody was saying, oh, Jephthah, I don't know if I'd do that. God will understand. We don't want, we're not dealing with a real problem here of too much. We're dealing with a problem of too little. Someone say amen. Whenever we read in the word of God, if you go to, to the Old Testament and Exodus, amen, and I, I don't know if this set this up for everything. And, and, and whenever I read the scripture, this is something that workers concerning the tabernacle said. And then, and then, 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 then Moses made a commandment about it. I never see that there was any interaction with God concerning it. We use it when we talk about, talk about giving and all this stuff. You remember that the people were asked to come and give toward the purpose of the tabernacle. You remember it? Amen. The story, maybe some of you don't, but they, God, the, 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 through Moses, had asked the people to bring a material for the tabernacle. The list was made, and they were to bring all this stuff. Exodus 36, you can read of it. Amen. And so as they were bringing, the people had brought so much stuff that it was termed as too much. And some people that were working on the tabernacle said, Moses, the people brought too much. We need to tell them not to bring anymore. And the Bible says they even restrained the people. I'm not going to fuss and cuss with scripture, but I'm going to tell you, I think we had a little error in humanity here. Because the moment you tell somebody they did too much, brought too much, sacrificed too much, you don't have to worry about them doing it again. You don't have to worry about them doing it again. So I don't know at this moment in time, amen, if Solomon and those that were prior to him, if they've all learned from that, that episode and, and they knew that, that, that if people brought a great capacity, all it came down to was this, they needed to learn how to increase their ability to manage it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now look, uh-huh, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. Amen. John chapter number two, when we read, you remember in the temple that Jesus goes to the temple and there's the money changers and such on the exterior of the temple. You remember, and he goes in there, he's a little bit upset. And he overthrows the, the money changers and those that sow doves and all this other thing. And, and the problem wasn't that they were necessarily selling these things outside the temple. It was known. It was customary law. We knew, according to the customary law, that if a person was traveling at great distance to the temple, that it might be very difficult to have an animal be brought from their home, however many miles away it would be, and brought to the temple. And so what many times would take place, they would sell that animal that they would have brought if they lived closer. They would sell that animal. They would get the money for it. And when they got to the temple, they would exchange their money then for the sacrifice. The like, if it was a ram that they had and they so got money for it, they would buy a ram. Because it should have been set up like that. That the going price of a ram that a man could sell, he could buy that when he got to the temple. But the problem at the temple was is that there was extortion. There, there was a, a bad exchange rate. Going on at the temple that people were controlling. And so what was happening was this. People would come with their money to buy a, a, a same sacrifice as they had sold. And they were getting less for their money. In other words, their sacrifices were being limited by the exchange rate. And so whenever Jesus comes in, he's in a rage. 
because he thought it's awfully improper to squelch somebody's sacrifice. See, it's bad to tell them that that's too much. Some would be priced. Some even that would come, they would be priced out of the ability to be able even to sacrifice. And so Jesus said, man, this isn't good. Hallelujah. This isn't good to diminish people's ability to sacrifice or to eliminate their ability to sacrifice. He said, we're not, we're not in the business of limiting sacrifice. We're in the business of building and expanding altars. We're not in the business of withholding and holding back. We're in the business of facilitating everything that's going on. This was a phrase, I don't necessarily agree 100% with this phrase, but I understand the, the shade of meaning and the, the, of what was being conveyed when this phrase has been made over the years. Used to, old timers used to say this, you know, better to have strange fire than any fire at all. I ain't necessarily in total yoke with that, but I understand the shade of meaning. I think it was old brother Jeff Arnold said one time, he said, don't worry about that fire. He said, there's always a few wet blankets that can help put it out that's sitting around. I tell you what, it wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit. It wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit to come here on service times and people be here an hour, 45 minutes, 30 minutes before church praying in the prayer room. Wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit to ever show up sometime and I don't even have the door unlocked yet because someone's just waiting to get into the church house to pray. Wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit, one bit, that if, if for the majority of the sermons people were dancing, shouting, running the aisles and still being with the word of God. Wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit. Wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit if we sang three songs and all of a sudden that turned to four songs, five songs, six songs, and people were getting the Holy Ghost. It wouldn't hurt my I, I, I'm hoping, I'm really, I'm telling you, I searched my soul. I said, God, have I ever told these people that they were just doing a little bit too much? They were getting a little too rowdy. That was just a little bit too much extravagant praise or worship. That was too much prayer. Have, have I ever relayed to them that they were getting out of order because they were dancing while we were doing something else? And let me tell you, I think we can get an altar to facilitate your sacrifice. Yeah. I'm going to preach here in a moment because there's something that's vitally important that we understand. And we'll go through the scripture to, to, to point it out. And this is vitally important to understand. That sacrifices weren't made for the altar. Altars were made for the sacrifices. That's important. That, that's, that's very important. Altars all throughout God's word were the place of sacrifice. As a matter of fact, many times the brazen altar was even referred to in the Old Testament as the altar of sacrifice. The altar of sacrifice. There are little grates that they had in there upheld that sacrificial victim and, and the blood of the offerings would be presented unto the Lord. And altar, the word altar within itself has two primary meanings. These are, this group of three is one meaning, lifted up, high, ascending. And the second meaning was a slaughtering place. So if you wanted to or were planning on sacrificing, you were going to need an altar. Listen to me. That's why whenever Abraham had his son Isaac trotting up Mount Moriah, and Abraham had wood, and Abraham had fire, that Isaac's looking at dad puzzled. Look at it, Genesis 22, verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father... And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood. 
But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Because in Isaac's mind, you don't need an altar unless you got a sacrifice. The sacrifice is not made for the altar. The altar is made for the sacrifice. Isaac understood that a sacrifice means that I must have an altar and not the other way around. And so therefore, if there is no altar, there must not be a sacrifice. So I commission us, I ask us, I tell us, listen folks, go on and build your altars. Because if you're building your altars, then you have a mind to sacrifice. (laughs) Someone say amen. But if there's ever more sacrifice than you have altar, don't say it's too much. Just say that your altar's too little. And we can accommodate that. We can accommodate that. Folks, I don't know. I don't know, you, you can't really see any measurements. I don't know how, how large the middle of the court of the temple was. I don't know how large the middle of the court of the temple was. But whenever Solomon seen all the sacrifice, rather than saying too much, they said the altar's too little. He says, but you know what we'll do? We'll go on and hollow some ground out here in the middle of the court. We'll make the altar fit the sacrifice. We'll go out here and we'll hollow some space. We'll move some boundaries. We'll make our limitations a little bit further because we want to accommodate. We don't want it to get in the mind of Israel. That's too much. We want them just to believe we need a bigger altar to facilitate. It would be like this, folks. It, it, you, you know, you know the reason why that some people grow and then they outgrow those buildings, the big builder building and stuff. It's not just making bigger barns. It's for the sake because there's more sacrifice than there is altar. Then there's facilities. Then there's this or that. People get to where they are because you know what they're willing to do. They're not saying, no, we're at our max. And so this is where we got to stop. No, they say, go on and bring them in. Go on and bring them in. We can always make the facility a little larger to accommodate, if you will, what is coming. Amen. And so when we see in Scripture, again, I don't know how, how large it was, but evidently, it was large enough, the middle of the court and the brazen altar for that matter must have been large enough at this moment in time that it would facilitate the sacrifices that would take place through that week. Amen. Here's sometimes what happens. We allow altars to marginalize or determine our sacrifices. Altar size. That means I can only bring so much, this amount, offer only so much unto the Lord. But when you get ensnared in that type of mentality, then that means a lack of altar space or a removal of the altar would stop that type of person's sacrifice altogether. Because it's dependent for them then on the altar now. God, I hope I'm making sense today. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 21, Arana said, Wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? Sister Roxana, we just spoke about this in your house the other day when you invited me into your home. David committed the sin. He was now wanting to make repentance and good on this. He goes to Ornon. He has a threshing floor nearby. And so Ornon is saying, wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor of thee to build an altar unto the Lord. Folks, this, this just, these settings just shows how understood it was that, that it was sacrifice and then altar. Because the moment that David starts talking about an altar, Arnon responds to him, take an offer, whatever seemed good to you, behold, here are oxen for burnt. David didn't say anything. David didn't say anything about sacrifice. Nothing about He just talked about an altar. And Arnon knew the connection. 
Sacrifice demands an altar. So if David is talking about an altar, he plans on doing some sacrificing. So the first thing out of Arnon's mouth then is altar. Amen. And so, or, or David's mouth is altar. So Arnon knew it meant there's going to be a Here's some oxen for your sacrifice. Several years ago, several years back in the 1960s now, it's been a long time. Several years ago, whenever the public, public prayer was no longer allowed in the schools, amen, or allowed to be led by school officials, amen, what society did in that whole episode, listen, Pastor, what society did in all that episode was just limit the altar. In our public schools because they thought it worked that way. That the altar determines the sacrifice. But honey, they had it wrong. We build our altars around our sacrifice. Say, well, Pastor McGee, my altar seems very small compared to its former estate. That's not an altar problem. That's a sacrifice problem. People with what you might consider big altars and small sacrifices tells one of two stories. If you got big altars and small sacrifices, that tells one of two stories. Number one, that person might not have reached everything that they envisioned to reach with their altar and their sacrifice. Because there's more room. Or number two, and I hope this ain't the story, if you got big altars and small sacrifice, it might be because they digressed. Because someone, even maybe the enemy of their soul, has spoken to their ear and told them their sacrifice was too much. See, the too much mentality takes you down a slippery slope. The too much mentality takes you to 1 Kings chapter number 12. That whenever there's the divisions of the 12 tribes of Israel, amen, there's 10 that go to the north by Jeroboam. There's two to the south, Judah, amen, and Benjamin by Rehoboam. And the Bible says whenever all of this took place, amen, they're kind of at odds with one another. The 10 tribes against the two tribes. And the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter number 12, Jeroboam with the 12 tribes, you know what he said? He said, this is basically what it is. He said, it'd be too much. For you to go Jerusalem and offer up sacrifices there upon the altar. And so as a vice, he created some in Dan and he created some in Bethel. And he convinced them it'd be too much to make that trip. It would be too much of a sacrifice. What he did, he moved the focus from the altar and he put it right on them being too much of a sacrifice for them to travel to Jerusalem. And the too much made them what? Settle for much less. I was reading, I was reading just today. And I'm thinking about all these sacrifices, man, at the dedication. And boy, that's a lot. In my mind, I start thinking, I just start sitting down. And I'm thinking about how many. How many coats of skins that is. I start thinking about all the blood that must be on the floor. I mean, it just goes on and on. The, 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 the stench that. I mean, it just goes on. Can you imagine that slaughtering, that and that amount of slaughtering? But as I was reading them, it, it come to, and I came across a little thing, a historical fact that told me that even the pagans, even the pagans on occasions have recorded sacrificing hundreds of animals. And even on rare occasions, when thousands, thousands of animals to their false deity. But here in, here in Kings, Solomon and the people of God surpassed them all. Because there was nothing that was too much for their God. Now you stand with me. I'm going to come to a close. I've been up here 40 minutes and I'm comfortable with that. Just a little thought there, just a little thought. Wasn't too much, but too little of an altar. Whenever we begin to consider Golgotha, and of all things that happen to be crucifix on a tree, Lifted up 
high, ascending. It was a slaughtering place. I have preached for years. The cross was an altar. It was a lifted up place. It was an ascending place. And it was a place where slaughtering took place. Cross was an altar. Of all things crucifix. But here's, here's what we must consider, folks. In that episode of Golgotha, we had a sacrifice. The Lamb of God. We had a sacrifice. And a sacrifice necessitates an altar. Sacrifice necessitated the cross. Now those wooden members and cross beams that were fixed together to each other. Here they are on Mount Calvary. They're planted down in the soil. Wood members together planted down in the soil. That altar, that cross, listen to me. That altar was insufficient. That altar was too little. By all natural eyes, human standards, that cross seemed to properly house and proportionately, if you will, hold the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to me tonight. In reality, the sacrifice was greater than what the altar could facilitate. It was bigger. It was too much in relationship to the altar that they had him strung high upon. But listen to me. I don't hear anybody saying then, and I don't hear anybody saying now, we need to dial back the sacrifice. I don't hear anybody, Brother Gregory Howard, that's saying, you know, we need to change that. That was too much. God! would manifest himself in the flesh. He would seemingly forsake Jesus Christ. Even Jesus admitted to feeling forsaken by God on that tree. But no one's saying, that's too much. Nobody's opting out of a crown of thorns. Nobody's opting out of a pierced side. Nobody's opting out of the whipping of a cat of nine tails laid to the back, that not just putting scratches, but taking hunks of flesh. Nobody's saying it's too much. And neither was God saying it was too much. Because when it comes down to it, it was not the case of too much sacrifice. It was just the case of an insufficient altar. Tabernacle, temple. There's increase. Because God had been good to his people, and that brought then increase in what they could offer to God to testify of his goodness that he had shown toward them. I'm almost convinced tonight, I feel pretty confident, we could get all of us within the square footage of the Temple of Solomon altar. From that point forward, we could all fit in it. Matter of fact, the creative one might be able to get us all in the tabernacle. Romans says, what does it say? Is it Romans 12 and 1, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living. It's your reasonable service. What's that telling me? All of you is not too much. No. It's not about being too much. It's about there being too little altar. The altar matches the sacrifice. 
not for the sacrifice to match the altar. Oh, but Pastor, this is how he got this little altar, bless God. <laughs> Don't be limited by that. Don't be limited by that. You know what I think happens at times? It's not that we're limited by it, but we're comfortable with it. If I can just bring the same thing every time and let it fit within the perimeters of that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. For some, it's I showed up Sunday morning. Well, that's just about the extent for some. I showed up for Sunday morning. I acknowledge the preacher was preaching because I lifted my hand once. I put in a couple of dollars. But Carnival's going to be in town tomorrow, so I'm going to spend $10 on those tickets and we're going to have popcorn. Oh, God, don't get me here. So sometimes I don't think it's always just the thing that we, we're, we're limited by, but we like the limitations. So let me, you know, you know saying you can't outgive the Lord. See if you could ever reach a place where God would say it would be too much. Challenge you. Bless God, we start doing that. Pastor McGee will be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I've yet to see one of those people in the United States or in my church. Never seen a pastor like that. Never seen anybody like that. Never. Because it's never too much. There's too little altars. So I challenge you tonight. I challenge you. When you bring your offering of praise and worship and attendance, Bible reading, prayer, concentrate, all those things, whenever you bring those, push it to what you think the limit is because if you think God's going to say, now you need to kind of cut back now. Ye are wrong. He says, I think we can facilitate that. Man, we've had some wild bunches in this church over the years. Predates a lot of y'all folks. And I'm talking like one of the elders. Predates a lot of you. Even predates some of the elders. I was, there, but I was here before you was here. Uh, put that in your hat. <laughs> We've had some crazy, st- and I'm well. I'm talking about some extravagant worship come through here. Mike, you was were there some of them. Man, we had cartwheels. We had people stand in pews and jump across the aisle from one pew to the next. Y'all not ever seen extravagant worship around here. We had people jump cross pews back and forth. Brother, I don't ever remember my dad ever saying to them, you need to cut that out. I don't ever. I'm serious. Oh, Brother McGee, we're kind of. Oh, I don't know about that. I tell you what. I just like to see someone try to go across these pews. In the spirit. But you get what I'm saying? <laughs> and we've had some good ones. Whew. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's been great. It's been great.
but I don't want there to be room for more unless settle for less. Because, honey, if we breed in this generation that it's too much, this generation here is, will judge it harder than what you judge it right now. And I refuse to rear my children. I need to just get real, real here for a moment. The other morning, I was talking to God in prayer. I'm just being honest. Sometimes, you know, people, that's famous last words. But listen to me. I'm, I, I, it concerns me. I, I, my children, I love them. I'm glad Mariah's been born again of the water spirit. Trevor, he needs baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. God will connect with his heart. I was eight years old whenever I, it happened for me. Brother Mason, and maybe you can help me. And I don't know how scripture, how, how related I am to some right now. Just, I just got to. By and large, my daughter's about going on 12 years old. There's other girls in the church, not any that's really right at her age. I got a fear, sister. Sheila, because she doesn't have those others ages around her. Scares me to death. Scares me to death. Because I, I, I come to church here in and uh, try to grow to church, try to speak to people, try to preach to people. And I'm thinking, God, am I here spinning all my wheels and I'm in a place right now where there's no other little girls what type of impact is that going to have on my daughter? Whenever I'm older, am I going to have a daughter that's without you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I giving, providing everything? Because I pray, Lord knows I do those contemplative years. I pray all about that stuff. I'm thinking, man. And I know that that's exactly what it was when we started in Kingsburg. There was no young people. All time told, whenever we evangelized, there was people there that had more white hair teeth that wasn't their own and on Geritol. <laughs> and we, we didn't have anybody. We left uh, a, a nice church. It had various gamut of ages and stuff. And we just prayed. And they started coming in. The kids prayed, right? I guess that too, I'm, I'm just trying to get at the thing is I don't want to just keep keep making smaller altars. I don't want to just keep making smaller altars. I want to make bigger altars. I want there to be, quote unquote, so much that it takes another altar for that. In every aspect of the life of the church, whether it be programs or buildings or or prayer times or so on and so forth, I don't I don't want to digress. I want to progress progress forward and let's 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 let's. I want there to be a time of my goodness. There's 25 kids here. Well, that's enough. No. I don't want to get a time say. Well, there's 200 people here. Well, that might cause a building program. We just better just kind of hold. No. Too much or too little. It's all how you look at it tonight. Too much or too little. Let's bow our heads in this place. And I, I'm sorry for going off there now. Tangent. These altars are open tonight if anybody has...
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.